So you might be the one of the last people to receive a center, which is quite weird, yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> now, the, uh, Jamie, Jamie from uh, McLaren was a little bit like, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we they had promised me the car in like August last year, but suddenly it's become it's become like end of October a year later. Oh like, man! So have they basically used that as like a traveling promo car? Is that, yeah, is that yeah. they did a bit of driving on it, but I have new right. engine, new gearbox, new everything. Right. So, so they just rebuild the it, build it as a new car. Yeah. Okay. So same chassis number, and that's about it. And so since Geneva, when it launched, and well, yours, deb yours basically debuted as the first like MSO yeah. example. Yeah. First of all, I've never seen a car change character so much because I saw the launch car at like Winter Door, Ball, which yeah. was like or, like some weird orange color. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw your car at Geneva in exposed full, full body carbon. I was like, this car has changed so much. It looked awesome. And then you've changed it again. Yeah. What have you done to it? So instead of having the full Geneva theme, because uh -huh. there's maybe seven of those around. So that's what happened. They saw your car and went, I want it like that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. And I'm like, well, there was two things. I'm filming a thing for Netflix uh -huh. uh, about Le Mans. This is cool. And they're coming, they were supposed to come a few weeks ago to <laughs> right. Monaco. And I said, the car is not going to be there. Yeah. So you need to like, we need to delay it as much as possible. Uh -huh. And it was supposed to be this week. Right. And luckily they had something and they, it's become uh, the week after next. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't have the car right. if I was doing the full Geneva theme because they need another two weeks to do it and then you come here and then you go. So yeah, in the yeah, end, it would yeah. be not possible at all. Wow. So I went for something simpler that uh -huh. they were able to like do it, in, do it in a week. Okay. Well, so two weeks, in fact. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, so it's like, God, it's, you know the car that you, is a green carbon. Yep. We did like a fully exposed green carbon bodied center here a few yeah. weeks ago. So it's yeah. similar to that car, but mine yeah. is obviously all black. But black, yeah, yeah, it's nice. So basically less exposed yellow, yellow bits. Yes. Right. It, yeah. it looked good, it looked yeah. cool. Yeah. Anyway, it's a shame you weren't here when it was being done because when we quote people on centers, it's weird to call them centers having you sat here because we just casually refer to them as centers. The but when we, when we quote clients on centers, they're like, that is quite expensive. And as a spot of context, you take your like average car, take a GT3, for example, mm -hmm. that we work on, it might have like 40 to 60 components, depending on how much bespoke work we do on it. Mm. A Senna has 143 individual PPF components because the aero is so advanced. Did it's you so even, crazy. Did you put some bits on, like on the, um, on the ex uh, engine exhaust uh, flaps there on the back? We, ha we have to keep it away from the exhaust a bit because the amount of heat that comes yeah. from it. But also there's like the, on the sides, as it comes out of the, like the there's, side yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because there's so, I mean, what's been great is actually having yours in a little bit towards the end. We've learned a lot by looking at other people who've brought them back in. Yeah. So we had a bubbles. guy who did this like super bright, it almost looks like metallic Kermit the Frog, mm. green. And he went on this big Euro trip, brought it back in for like a, check over. So we inspect it and the impact zones that you just wouldn't believe happen on this car because of the airflow on it. Yeah. It's like it, stones must whip around and like hit places which normal cars wouldn't do it. Oh my God. So we've learned quite a lot on, on other people's cars and basically applied it to your car. So the, being last isn't such a bad thing. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, from many, many ways, it is not the best, not the worst thing. But in yeah. the end, you have all the extra protection behind the door, behind the tires. Yeah, that's yeah, for sure. Taking a major impact beating. zone. Yeah. I was thinking of beating. So Bruno Senna, 
thanks for coming down. Thank I really you. appreciate this. No, it's, it's my pleasure. Great. I mean, we, we've been talking about it for a while. Um, we've sort of set the bar quite high on this show because we wanted to get really interesting people with interesting backgrounds. Oh, the I'm, problem I'm, with I'm that going is, then. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the problem with that is everyone's schedules are kind of impossible to lock down. I want to say a massive thank you because what the audience and cameras haven't seen is you have just landed in Gatwick, driven here specifically for this. Yeah. And then you're flying out again in about an hour and a half. It's my pleasure. I wanted to see the place, of course. Uh, it's been a while since we haven't uh, caught up. So for sure. Yeah. No, this is all a really big pleasure. Congratulations for the thanks for the the place. It's Cheers. awesome. There's a few too many Ferraris just behind I know. here. I think, we'll uh, have to we'll have to give your friends a I McLaren think... a nudge and see what we can do. There is a 600 LT over there. All right. Okay. You know, so maybe halfway through we Represent. can get it parked. We can get it parked there for you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we actually have the, done a lot of cars. We did the UK's first McLaren GT just now, all in black. That's super cool. Did you cool. take it for a drive? I, I wish I did. I wasn't here, so I had to have someone here send us a photo. The reaction online to that car well, when we posted it, in fact, it was just here. And uh, the reaction, it was all black, black wheels, black interior, black car. It looked amazing from like rear three quarter view mm. and those super thin lights at the back. I stuck out this picture on Instagram and it got the most engagement I've had in a long time. Really? Which is cool. That yeah, is cool. It's brilliant, man. So It's not the most sporty McLaren, it's more of like, oh, like a cruiser. A, I haven't driven it yet. I, was, I couldn't make the launch, which is a shame, yeah. but I've been speaking with um, Hunter to try and arrange like a proper grand tour with it. Because I want to use it as it was in, intended rather than a short launch event. So we're going to try and make a full week of it, maybe go up to the Alps and win the snow or something. We were trying to do, <laughs> so I did a, a road trip from, well, I was in Monterey for car week. Yeah. And then I went up to San Francisco and then all the way down to, uh, to uh, San Diego oh, wow. with my girlfriend. Yeah. And um, I was going to do it with a GT. Yeah. Uh, but the GTs that were there for the for for the event, yeah. they were still prototypes, so I couldn't ah, take so the cars. They were cars. like a pre-production like, oh, car. They could only do like 40 for miles an hour or something. Oh, yeah, you like, definitely don't want to take that. It would take you like 12 hours to get there. Well, I did more. anyway, anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same. Super cool. Well, look, this is the first time that I've put out to the audience that we've got a specific guest on. Do you want to ask any questions? I'm sure you've seen some stuff yeah. so far. It was nice to see people get yeah, engaged. Yeah, it's brilliant, man. Um, so... But look, one of the favorite things which I discovered about you, I think when we first met, was on the ice driving event yep. for the 570, I think we were yeah. doing ice driving event. Um, you're an avid dr drone pilot, but like, like really hardcore. I don't just mean like some normal DJI stuff. You, you build your own drones and you like solder them and you create your own little circuit boards and you fly them in first person view, right? Yeah, yeah, what I that? Where did that start? Full-on nerd, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's, actually, the way it started was I saw this video on uh, YouTube of mm. some guys, some French guys, flying in the forest. Right. And this is like years ago. Yeah. And their drones had like the LEDs on the back, so it looked just like pod racing from Star Wars. Yeah. I'm like, I love this that's so amazing. much. I need this. <laughs> yeah. So that's when I started it. Right. Uh, my drones never have any LEDs, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, it's just a, it's like a drug. Once you like start flying with the goggles on, so the immersion is yeah. so addictive. And the sense of speed as well, right? Yeah. I mean, but so I've actually become interested in it since you put me onto it. I think you were speaking about a guy called Johnny FPV. Yeah. yeah Dude, yeah. and since then I've had like recommendations pop up since I followed this guy. And there's a whole community, oh, a yeah, whole yeah. scene around yeah. first person flying. Yeah. And now that, you know, GoPro have launched an amazing inbuilt stabilization on, on a drone. Yeah. So, I mean, I was new to this whole world, but the drones that we think of are fairly big in, in comparison. 
these are like circuit boards with a camera on. Uh, carbon fiber bits, yeah. Yeah, carbon fiber bits. They and are like very incredible. light. And they, what sort of RPM are those blades spinning up to? I think up to 40,000 RPM. They're pretty 40, fast. 40,000 RPM. Because yeah. they sound like a mosquito on crack. Yeah. yeah. They go, they're everywhere. They're not very Incredible. like people friendly because no. they are noisy. Yeah. Uh, but actually, you know, when you're, normally you, when you go fly these drones, you fly through trees, you go fly like sort of like a, a hillside so you can kind of yeah, flow. Yeah. It's a very different type of flying than you do with the DJI drones. Yes. Uh, now DJI actually has released a HD system for the so, video feed. Yeah. And it's incredible. Is it? The immersion so, has really... Are you able to plug into that system or do you have to use their, yeah. their platform? No, no, you, you, you have to wear their own goggles. Yeah. Uh, and it's a little bit heavier, the system on the, on the, on the drone itself. Okay. But it, it's completely worth it Is because it? it's yeah. uh, if you're racing for sure you cannot use it because it's too heavy right okay but otherwise it's uh, like almost the image of a gopro in yeah. your eyes yeah. on a huge screen in your face so it's like you, you feel like you're sat on this drone yeah it's so cool makes you like much more brave to go through a tree yeah. into like the branches and the leaves and then you get stuck and then you have to climb <laughs> the tree up in something. and yeah. then reality kicks in. Yeah. It's amazing the applications I've seen of people using it in the context of film. Mm -hmm. Like it, it struck me that beforehand it might have started out for fun and get an engagement because it felt like you were flying. Mm. But the applications in film have been amazing. Yeah. Particularly when you film it going forwards and then in, in the edit you, you rewind it and yeah. it looks like you're unveiling this landscape. Yeah. Like that is cool. Yeah. So hopefully next year I'm going to try and get in touch with some, some first person guys you should and try and do something special you really should there's some guys who are absolutely not they don't care at all about their losing their drones as yeah. long as they get gopro back and they just send it and they just send it to like <laughs> into some places you think nah this is not there's possible no yeah and they just do it and they the drone there's a guy uh, andrew U of pv right uh, okay the places just this guy flies his drone yeah, you think yeah. now it's not possible how did he even put that through there yeah and it's yeah. incredible the, what is it with like abandoned warehouses? That seems to be a thing. It's like a format. Is it because there's no one around or it's yeah. just complex to fly through? It's both actually, because yeah. the, the, the challenge of flying through like metal structures, <laughs> small gaps, yeah, yeah, yeah. gives you like this, uh, I guess, adrenaline. Yeah. But uh, also, you know, less people, yeah, which is yeah. uh, what we try to avoid. Yeah. We're not the ones who like to film people. For sure. I think there's like, like a massive confusion for people that uh, think about drones. Yeah. They think, oh, it's a privacy thing. Yeah. FPV people, yeah have no interest in, in filming people unless it's for like a video. Sure, uh, yeah. Otherwise you're just flying through nature, through uh, buildings and stuff like this, and that's the fun. Yeah, and I'm also picking up on a similarity between like wingsuit flying and drones. There seems to be this like proximity war. It's like who can go the closest or the tightest gap before we die. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's better when the drone explodes 100%. and you're like, okay, let's uh, get let's another build one. another one. Yeah, very <laughs> A friend cool. of mine who my teammate actually is like, approaching the idea of doing wingsuit flying. Oh, dude. And I'm like... You should not approach that idea. <laughs> I did tell him that. He's like, ah, yeah, but I won't go through any holes. I'm like, sure, you start thinking this way. <laughs> and, then, and then adrenaline like kind of like really? winds down. And yeah. then you're going to need to do it. And then suddenly, you know, so I'm, I'm so hoping he keeps... So which, which teammate or which series is this? Is this, this is my, my teammate from uh, WEC, uh, oh, Gustavo man. Menezes. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Uh, half Brazilian, half American. Uh -huh. And uh, he's another. Yeah. Crazy. Brilliant. Crazy. So let's talk about racing, man. Let's talk about where you've, where you've come from, where you are now. I also, because I, I haven't really spoken to you properly about the time I got a drive in an F1 car and I phoned you up and I was like, this is going to happen. 
how do I make the most of this experience? But we'll get on to that in a minute because I've never had the time or someone else to, to, to set context of what was happening there mm. to explain to the audience just how extreme these things are. So now we've got someone who has experience in F1 here. We'll definitely speak about that. But for you, how did it, how did it start, man? I mean, how did racing... So obviously, there's a substantial family thing happening here. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. was into cars and stuff since I was... Uh, since before I remember anything, to be honest. Yeah. And I was in a go-kart when I was five years old. Yeah. So it's like I was really early into driving. But, um, of course, uh, when my uncle died, I was in go-karts, uh, uh-huh. not actually racing, but just practicing until, until okay. I even died. Yeah. And then I uh, had a 10-year sort of gap. Uh-huh. And then I got back into uh, right. racing because I was like annoying my family. Right. My grandparents were not so happy. Right. Uh, my mother was not so happy, but she was kind of supporting me. Sure. Um, and then uh, I had a really crazy fast track career because I yeah. was actually quite old when you think about it. I started yeah. racing when I was 20 years old. Yeah. Max Verstappen was like 17 when he got into F1. Yeah, which is incredible. Huh? Which is crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, when yeah. you think how, how young these guys are. Wow. So I kind of like went through the phases really fast. I, went, I started racing effectively in 2006, uh-huh. five. Yeah. Uh, so five in F3, six in F, F3, then F2 or GP2 in seven and eight. Uh-huh. And in 2009, I was almost, I almost got the, the brown drive. Right, yeah. Because I was, uh, it was still Honda and we're like, I had uh-huh. a test with them, it yeah, was yeah. cool. Unfortunately, Honda pulled out, so I couldn't get into a phone then. Right. It would have been a pretty good car to start. Yeah, that would have been the one, man. Never mind. Hindsight. Anyway, yeah. so then I got into a phone in 2010. Uh-huh. Uh, it was like a, a small team, so it was really difficult, tough year. Right. And then 2011 and 12, I raced for Lotus and uh, Williams, uh, respectively. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and from then on, I had uh, experience in the WEC, so endurance racing, yeah. 24 hours of Le Mans. I had Formula E, I had a bunch of uh, different endurance races around the world. It's been yeah, a, yeah. a really successful career considering how late Big I started. Time. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what would you say, first of all, has been the most enjoyable racing? It's hard to say because each, each type of racing has its own sort of merit. Yeah. One thing that uh, I miss a little bit was in GP2, up, uh, up to GP2, uh-huh. we had like uh, Bridgestone tires in that time uh-huh. and you just pushed the whole race. It was like, you know, really attacking everything, yeah, giving yeah. everything, almost qualifying every lap. And I really loved this about uh-huh. racing. And when you got to F1 yeah. with the Pirelli tire, yeah. you had to really nurse your tires. And uh, this kind of like, I didn't enjoy it quite as much because right. it's not the same sort of you like... You just couldn't push the whole time? Yeah. yeah interesting. So uh, that's why I, that's what I really enjoyed doing. Yeah. And then uh, got into uh, endurance racing. And suddenly yeah. you think endurance racing, you have to really nurse the car, but uh-huh. actually... You could just push. Now endurance racing is a full-on 24-hour sprint. You're just so you're like 10 tenths or nine tenths the whole way. You okay. have to like <laughs> the, yeah. the traffic management is different. Sure, but in terms of actually pushing the car, you're giving everything. It's amazing, and it's it's really fun. Yeah. So that sort of like came back in a certain way, but uh-huh. I think the short races are still my favorite are races. They? I yeah. still enjoy like the you know one-hour, two-hour races. Yeah. Because you're like just is that because you are just absolutely on the edge of traction? Yeah. The whole way. And it's like, when you finish, you're like, yeah. you, just <laughs> think, you just kind of like, the adrenaline just makes yeah. you feel super like uh, relaxed. So dude, I've got to, listen, I need to share this now, okay? Because I mean, I, I've spoken to friends about it and they're like, what's it like to drive an F1 car? And look, I'm not going to pretend that my ability was anywhere near enough to get the most out of a car. 
you know. But you wouldn't so, be if you're if you're your first time. But if of course, yeah. Do it enough yeah. times, you get. Close. But what I found incredibly valuable before I got in the F1 car was I probably did about thirty, maybe forty laps in a Formula Renault first, mm -hmm. right? Um, not that fast, but through corners, corners dude, like the G loads up, you know. Yeah. And particularly, I, weirdly, I felt it more through my arms than my neck. No power steering. No power steering. Yeah. I didn't know at the time that an F1 car had power steering mm. and the 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 team because at that time so the reason i got this this experience was um renault had bought and it was a fully like factory supported day like i thought it was just some dude with an old f1 car and i turned up and there was like four race transporters and i was like why is this happening and it turned out that they were putting juniors through their super license oh cool so all these juniors were getting like seat time to, to qualify for the super license yeah, yeah. and Literally between their lunch break, they were like, "You hop in." So as a, as an experience, it was like almost this full F one experience. So first of all, that was incredible. But the the lessons that I that I took from Formula Renault were invaluable going into Absolutely. Formula One. Absolutely. Um, mostly in terms of the amount of trust you can have and how much grip these cars have. I mean, dude. even then, it's still like a big jump. Yeah. Oh, a huge, a huge jump. But the guys were saying. So I, th I think it, on the particular circuit layout that they put me on, it was a smaller circuit layout. Mm -hmm. And I think turn five was, ended up as being seen. Is it called seen? Yeah. With that like long yeah. right-hander. So you had like the short straight, uh, that pit weird straight. chicane in the middle. A and, tight, yeah. So you had, a, you had a tight right-hander as that's the first right. corner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. And uh, so they were like, look, we'll put you in the F1 car, but you re really need to meet this criteria, this criteria, this criteria to even begin to experience it. So they were like, scene, flat. You need to go flat through scene. And I was like, okay. So I remember going through this corner, it must have taken me 30 attempts to go flat because my brain was just not allowing me because I just hadn't built up enough downforce because I wasn't going fast enough. So I'm going through and on the like second to last lap, I was like, okay, commit, go flat. And I went through. And I know I wasn't quite flat. I, I knew I wasn't, right? You almost need your left foot to step yeah, on the right absolutely. foot. absolutely. I knew it in my heart of hearts. I knew I wasn't truly flat, but I was kidding myself that I was flat. And I went through it, and sure enough, the car ran wide and over the curb. And because it's so much runoff there, poor Ricard's so safe. I came back on. I came in the pits, and the guy looked at the data, and he goes, you weren't flat. And I was like, damn it, you're so right. I was like, you are right. He goes, just pin it. I was like, Okay. The difference that that other five mile an hour made was night and day. Yeah. And that was the first time that I'd experienced downforce working and not working, right? That, and that straight away, my jaw hit the floor and I was like, this is a different world, you know? And then when I got in the Formula One car, um, where the Formula Renault ended was where that car began, Yeah. you know? But because we had like power steering, it just felt so easy, yeah. you know? And yeah, it was yeah, mad. Yeah. So the operating window then just went so disproportionately high that it was my neck which gave up yeah you know yeah well we um, spoke about the neck we before, did didn't we so as a spot of context then i phoned up bruno i was i got invited to have this f1 drive and i was like i need to speak to someone because i'm never going to get this opportunity again and i've got like five laps <laughs> so i phoned him up and i was like yeah. dude this is not a big deal for you but i'm going to have some seat time in a formula one car what do i do train your neck train you first of all you were like how long have you got i was like Three weeks, he was like, you're screwed. <laughs> like, but if you could try and train your neck, that'd be good. So I did some like neck training 
Um, the number one thing that stuck in my head of what you told me was when you get in the car, they're going to they're going to tighten up these this this harness and these straps, and it's going to feel tight. Ask them to do it tighter. So that you feel like you cannot even breathe. You can't breathe. And this, this stuck in my head of all the info you gave me. I, was, I don't know why that stuck in my head. So sure enough, on the day I'm sat in the car and this big guy comes in and he puts all his weight on and it's so tight that it feels like my chest can't expand because they've strapped me in that tight. And your voice comes into my head. He's like, go tighter. A little bit like Obi-Wan. <laughs> go tighter. I was like, uh, excuse me. I was like, uh, I was like, is there any chance we can go tighter? I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing? And he was like, yeah, sure. I was like, really? <laughs> okay. So he like straps me in. And I remember the first time I applied the brakes properly, it almost felt loose. Exactly. And I couldn't believe it. Like the braking performance was absolutely exceptional. It is the, the most extravagant thing of an F1 car is a braking performance. Now they are doing 6G on the corners as well, yeah, which, which is, is crazy. Which is insane. But the thing that you really sort of never get used to in an F1 car is how late you can brake. Because yeah. even from low speed, you can still brake late because the car is so light. Yeah. And uh, really, I knew that you were going to struggle with your neck because I knew you were going to do some laps in the Formula Renault before. Yeah. Which actually doesn't, doesn't look like it, but you're still putting 3G on the corners. Yeah. And your neck is not... You're not, you're not used to it at all. Not at all. So you do 40 laps like this, and yeah. suddenly your muscles are yeah. tired. And then yeah, when you yeah, to the phone car, you get 5G, which doesn't sound like a, a lot more, but actually it's My huge. My God, it is huge. Huge. Well, third lap. Even accelerating your neck gets some yeah, stress in the phone car. the whole thing gets it under braking, everything. Yeah. It's just, a, you know, I think what's, what is very hard on TV is to convey how extreme every input is yeah. from an F1 car. Because the drivers are used to it and everybody's really fit. That's right, So yeah. you see the onboard and you just see, you see a so lot from the onboard, it. much more than the driver does actually, because yeah. the camera is up, up high. Yeah. So you see a lot more than the driver does. It feels like it's a Sunday stroll. Actually, in the car, I can guarantee it feels very different, <sighs> as you God. know. So what I thought would be great is on, on Formula One, every now and again, it would be cool to get in like a normal person and try and set some context as to how extreme different components are of driving an F1 car. So one of the things I found was it was all left foot braking. Mm -hmm. And there's a minimum amount of brake pressure, which equated to just over 50 kilograms of brake pressure mm. on your left leg only, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, what would that equate to in a gym session, right? So I thought, okay, in your average race, how many laps are there? Maybe like... Oh, it's, it's 300 kilometers. So I guess okay. I'm gonna say between 40 and 55 laps, laps I right? guess, average. And, the, and, and this is all on your left leg, minimum amount of pressure, 50 kgs, right? And it's not just braking a road car, you know, in a race car, you use like this bleeding off technique, right? So you're like absolutely anchoring on to 99% of the ability of the braking of the car before it locks up. And then, and correct me if, it, if I'm wrong, but then you bleed off as the downforce is coming off. Yeah, car, as, you, right? as you start to steer as well. Yeah. So, and I'm thinking, okay, there's probably 13, 14 corners on this circuit. You've got 40, 50 laps, and it's all on your left leg at 50 kilograms a corner. I thought, let's get some normal guy in, you know, and have Go like, gym yeah, and, and have like David Coulthard be like, okay, Jack, uh, this, this, this lap is 13 corners. Uh, how many times can you bench press 50 kilograms on your left leg well Go. it's 50 <laughs> is the minimum actually what yeah. the, the normal pressures we're normally doing is 120 kilos on the left leg are you serious yeah the thing <laughs> is it feels much harder to do it 
in the garage than uh-huh. to do it when you're driving. Yeah. There's obviously uh, when you hit the brakes, mm. you, you get pushed forward as well. Yes. But the calf muscle takes the whole load. Yeah. The calf muscle gets really the whole load. So the calf muscle can cramp sometimes when you're driving. Yeah. Also, the lower back takes a lot of load because your legs are sort of like, they're kind of like up a little uh-huh. bit. Your knees are a bit higher. And as you take the corners, your knees kind of like Start move. To rock. And a lot of drivers have problems with the lower back because it's, really? you have to like maintain your, your legs in the same position. If you don't, your foot comes off the throttle. Think of if your body, body rotates. Yeah. As I said, <laughs> yeah. the more strapped in you are, the yes. less you have to deal with like supporting your own weight yeah. being multiplied by three, four, five times. It's unbelievable. And it's, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, braking number one blew me away. Um, did you take sing flat to that phone car? No. <laughs> no, not <laughs> at, at all. My neck would have, my head would have come off my neck. I tell you what I did do is I, I built up enough G that I had to lean my helmet on the, the cowling um, because my neck gave up. Yeah. So it was enough for me to experience, but definitely one of the top five experiences I think I've ever had. Right. It was it was just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the thing yeah. with the F1 car, so the, the Renault, the Formula Renault car, if you drive it at 80%, you can still get grip from the tires because uh-huh. the tires, they are working on a, on a wider range, let's say. Uh-huh. The F1 car, definitely not. The yeah. F1 car, you need to be driving it fast. Fast. Or the, otherwise your grip decreases. Yeah. So when you get the confidence, by the time you get the confidence, your tires are not really getting there. No. And you're, you have no grip. So you hit the brakes, you lock up, yeah, you, lock you, put up. The, you put on the throttle, the car is moving around, yeah. and you try to take the fast corners, you just run wide. Just go off. They're just designed to operate at nine, 10 they tenths, are. The they? tires yeah. are. Because yeah. if, if they weren't, then uh, you would just overheat the tires very quickly. Mate, so it's, it's, honestly, I, I really feel that there needs to be something to set context as to how unbelievable that, that sport is. Well, it's From a, like, poster, isn't it? an athlete's point of view, I mean, you'd be, Forgiven for thinking on TV, these guys are just sat in a car. And particularly, I would, I would imagine the majority of an F1 audience hasn't had much experience in a, in a proper track car. So there has to be something where we can be like, let's try and set some context for these yeah. guys so that yeah. this procession all of a sudden looks like you know, the, the, the craziest a, endurance on your yeah. body. So now the thing is, the LMP1 cars, mm. they are as fast as a Formula 2 car, or actually a bit faster mm. than a Formula 2 car. Wow. But you're racing them for hours. four, six, well, 10, 12, 24 hours. And I'll tell you one thing, our car particularly is not very fast on yeah. the straight lines. Yeah. It's very fast on the corners, on the unfortunately. Corners. <laughs> I tell you, Great for your neck. in Le Mans, we're pulling three and a half, 3.8 G on the, on the Porsche curves, which are really? very, very fast. And after, after the, you know, yeah. eight hour, that you've been driving because you drive, you divide it in three drivers. Uh-huh. So you do, you know, two, three hours, two, three hours, two, three hours, depending on how the, the, the race is going. When you come back in the race at, at the, like, you know, midday of the second day, which is like about three hours to the end, yeah. you're tired. I bet you are. You are really <laughs> yeah. tired and you take those corners and think, wow, I wish I had I gone to the gym a little bit more, you know? Really? Yeah. Even if you're still training, it's, uh, it's pretty tough, but... Uh, it's incredible. I yeah, think the, yeah. the prototypes are getting very, very fast now. super fast, aren't they? But so rules or car category and WEC is about to shift, right? It's going to these hybrid hypercar sort of formula. Yeah. Do you know much about that yet? Because at the minute it's a little bit up in the air, but... It's a little bit in the air. Um, the, the thing with the uh, new hypercar is that there is 
a way for you to run a current LMP1 car in it. Okay, interesting. But <laughs> these cars are supposed to be maybe 15 seconds a lap in Le Mans slower than the, right. the current LMP1 cars. Okay. Uh, and theoretically, the LMP2 cars are also lapping faster than the target lap time for the hypercars oh. in Le Mans. Okay. So there's a, there's a bunch of shuffling that needs to happen for, sure. for the cars to actually race in their own categories properly. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a headache. to see how it goes. But, yeah. I mean, from our perspective, if we can race some amazing, oh, like, dude. road cars. Exactly. Like, from a, from a spectator's point of view and, and being able to buy in to support a brand, mm. you know, to familiarize yourself with, A, a brand, and then something that resembles a road car, is much easier to get behind than, like, this prototype thing with... And most pr prototypes now... Are, are there any major brands involved, or are they all well? Toyota race teams still still uh, uh -huh. is, is a, like a proper manufacturer. Toyota yeah. is the one there. Uh, Geneta is uh, yeah. has a team. Okay, but uh, they're the thing with prototypes is that they look nothing like, like a car. road car. Yeah. In the US, they have something called DPI, uh -huh. which is a prototype. So the the, the the chassis is actually similar to a LMP, an LMP2 car. Right. But they make their own engines. And they kind of tweak the the oh. face of the car so it looks a bit like their road cars. Okay, cool. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds, you know. It's yeah. not very expensive, as uh, you yeah. know, it's not as expensive as GTE, for instance. For sure. But you're you're racing really fast cars. Yeah. So probably the the best compromise between exp spending 100 million, yeah, <laughs> or spending 20 and mm. having a sort of like a 70 percent result of yeah. Uh, engagement from the brand. Well, I mean, this is it. When it comes to racing, I've never come across anything that is as much of a black hole for cash as racing. It is stratospherically, it's shocking, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's very, very expensive. I think, I think people think, oh, how much does the car, the car cost? And mm -hmm. sometimes a car costs five hundred thousand, a million, depending, depending yeah. on the car. Uh, oh, but a horse is more expensive than this. A racing horse is oh. more expensive than this. Well, <laughs> to run this car. You yeah, know, a Formula a One car costs, I think, 3,000 euros per kilometer wow. that you run. Cool. And sort of the, the, if you, if you right. spread it through a season, you see it. That's why the but budgets are hundreds, hundreds of millions. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Wow, it's, any, uh, it's no wonder that the smaller teams, you see them pretty much every now and again come and go and come and go. And it's only the really big boys who have a car brand to lean on and offset the cost that like, actually stays, you know? Yeah, it's but a mad world. If, when you think about a manufacturer, a big manufacturer, they have such income yeah. that spending 500, 300 yeah. million, for sure, it's worth it for them. You yeah. know, especially if you're a Mercedes and you're winning everything, Amazing. makes your brand of course it does. very, very desirable for from a customer yeah. perspective. I guess most of it's a marketing or R&D write down as well, right? Well, R&D, a little bit further away from reality yeah. because the technologies that are in the F1 car, first, they don't want to share them in a road car at all. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they yeah. are very secretive about what they put in the car. So yeah. that thing takes ages to even come as a concept in, into a car. I mean, Mercedes has the MG1 yes. that has theoretically a Formula 1 engine, uh -huh. but that's a massive headache for them. Yeah. Really difficult to make a Formula 1 so platform. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Go on the road. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have so, thought it? Yeah, yeah. Before, sure. maybe yes, I would, yeah. I would agree. I think the closest thing to like high-level racing that is very translatable to a road car is Formula E. Right. Formula yeah. E is the, is, the, yeah. is the platform where whatever they develop on their race cars can easily go into a road car now. Sure, yeah. I mean, what I found interesting with Formula E is that the tires as well are 
particular, they're almost a road tire, you know, which is... Well, you'd say that, but they're actually really good tires. Yeah? You'd be surprised. Uh, we tried, in um, the beginning, we tried to buy a, it's a Michelin tire that they yeah, run. Yeah. And we tried to buy a tire that has very similar tread. Yes. Even, even looks the same. Yeah. And it was just dropped eight after seconds a lap slower. Oh, not in there. And this is like the best road tire you can buy from Michelin, not like a bespoke tire for a car. Sure. Just a tire that you can buy off the shelf. The same dimensions. Amazing. It was yeah. eight seconds slower per lap. Completely Lead different car. World. Wow. Isn't that cool? Anything from any other brand? Yeah. No, no difference. It was the okay. same thing. Isn't that amazing? But it's it's interesting that they use the same tire as well. They don't they don't have wets. They nope. don't have slicks or yep. anything. It's just okay. Same tire. Off you go. That's a fascinating sport. That is, is developing so fast. Yeah, it it's is. Crazy. A, it's a very cool platform. I think it's it's bringing. It's not necessarily so much about racing green because racing mm. is never green. You're wasting mm. tires. You're you know For it's sure. oil. You're everything in racing wears and fast. And the transport of the teams around the world. That as well. <laughs> that as well. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, this is a this is a difficult point because obviously planes will go and come. Of course. Regardless if you're in there or not, because there's other people doing it. <laughs> yeah. So if you're just if you're yeah. if you're just you know hopping along, it's yeah. it's just one of those things. But uh, the thing with racing is that everything wears fast because you're pushing it. it. Yeah. But it's more about the awareness, you know, like bringing people. Oh, it's an electric race. Okay, electric cars are cool. Yeah. They're not those things that uh, you know. Milk floats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. Cool. Makes it, makes it much more interesting for, especially for young people, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's it. I think if you, if you were raised on F1, it's very difficult to buy into Formula E. Yeah. From Ex a, except when you watch the races. The racing, well, the racing's super close. The racing's brilliant. Close and maybe sometimes yeah. too close. Too close, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But in terms of the emotion, and I would say this the same for F1, never mind just Formula E, you know, this is such a, a cliche comment these days, but since it went to you know, to turbocharge from the, the naturally aspirated era. I remember I was really fortunate enough to go to the last of the naturally aspirated Monaco Grand Prix. Right. And then I went the following year when I had gone turbocharged. Mm. And I was just so deflated, man, you know, because the, the, the energy and the vibration and the sound that would come from the, the naturally aspirated cars, you could feel it vibrate your diaphragm, you know, in your chest, your whole cavity, particularly because Monaco, so everything's so close and compact, mm -hmm. it was, all the sounds would bounce off the walls. I know. I know, of in, course you know. In yeah. the car, it's yeah. nuts. Unbelievable. So there was almost a tangible connection because these cars would physically shake you, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And then next time, you know, and then I was watching from uh, Fairmont, the hairpin, so I was quite far away from the action when you're actually on, on yeah. top of that roof. Yeah. Yeah. Next year, I was Raskas. And if you squeeze up tight enough in Raskas, you're, you're, like, you're like on the track, yeah, you know. Yeah. And these, these, these turbocharged cars were coming past and it was like, Hoover's going by. <laughs> and I was just so disappointed. I think, ah, well, what a shame. But it, it's all about uh, perspective though, reference, because have you, did you, were you able to go to a Formula 1 race when there were V10 engines? Uh, when I was younger, I did, yeah. Uh, and again, and this was and like again, next level so again. much more than the V8. Oh God, yeah, different. The level. V10s, like they had like this crazy thing. When I went the first Incredible. time, it just blew my mind. I bet, yeah. And then uh, the V8s, I was like, oh, my like my big wish is to drive a V10 Formula One car. I never drove one. Have you not? And I would love to oh, drive one just to get that thing, you know, the V10. So if anyone's listening, <laughs> we have ourselves a handy F. 
one driver here who'd like to, to experience a V10. Yeah. Surely there must be someone around who's got one who wants to well, run one. Well, McLaren and Williams, all their phone teams, they have some of their, their V10 cars, but yeah. they don't run very often because they're of the expensive yeah. to yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, not jealous at all about Karun. He drove the. I know, uh, I saw this. The Williams, he drove the Mercedes. Right. I mean, this Unreal, guy. Unreal, this guy. I need to, like, I need to go and, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can look like him, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's, he's good lad. He's got a lot he's of nice a lot of hair, so uh, <laughs> it's all good. We we make fun of each other yeah, all the I'm time. Sure, he, sure. he likes the abuse. It's fine. So, so have you spent much time in F1 since you, you left? I mean, uh, were you doing any presenting or anything like this? Yeah, I was doing some uh, some work for Sky. Yeah. Uh, for a few years. Um, TV is not my thing so much. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I'm I'm not one to that enjoys being really right. in front of the camera. Uh -huh. So uh, I prefer to be more kind of chill in the car. Absolutely. But it was you know it's a it's a weird thing because you know everybody for yeah, qu yeah. for quite a while, and uh, when you go there and you're trying to sort of get information from them, people kind of like just like, you know. What are you saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they obviously know that I know. More than the average person. Of course, yeah. So they're quite sometimes difficult to give information. Really? It's quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. So we had a chat once. I think we were having an informal time somewhere. And I was like, what's the, what's the best and worst thing about F1? And I remember you saying, at the time anyway, you were like, driving the car was the best and the politics mm. was the worst. Yeah. I mean, the politics in F1, most people don't, don't see that side of it. But what was that like? Well, the politics are not only in F1, they're in motor racing. Motor racing is sort of like a little bit of a mafia. Mm -hmm. uh, there is not like one person who controls it. There's a few people who control it in a certain way. Right. And if you don't sort of like join with the right people, the odds of you actually going anywhere, no matter how skilled you are, zero, are very low. <laughs> really? Very low. I mean, sometimes you kind of like looking to get into someone's good hand and they help you up. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky thing when you there's a lot of uh, you know influences on the on the championships on lower uh, championships by bringing the, the guy up on this in the, on the good teams, uh -huh. making a, one of the teams being a good team that year by you know helping out with the best equipment and so on and so forth. Uh, as you know, in motor racing, the cars are probably now because the drivers are within three tenths of each other. All the Label. best drivers are within three tenths and it's very yeah. close. Yeah. So if a car can give you half a second, you're winning, huge. Yeah. right? Even if it's four tenths, you're still in front <laughs> so of the other guys. So really it's, uh, it's, um, it's a lot about the car. Yeah. When conditions get tricky, when you have like difficult things, then the driver makes the whole difference. Uh -huh. But on a straight day, yeah. if you have a better car, you're more likely to win. Right, and that's uh, that's how motor racing is kind of manipulated. Yeah, oh man. So that's why the big boys are still here because they can develop the best stuff. For sure, for sure. And uh, you know, if you if you get yourself in the right team to begin with, then you have a you have a good one. So yeah, uh, yeah, it makes a big difference. So someone on Twitter asked a cool question. It was an I interesting question. Is what what was it like going into Formula One with the surname Senna? How is that? Was there a massive expectation on your hands? Or? You know, it was, it was interesting. So to begin with, it was really hard to cope with it as I started to race because yeah. people were like literally comparing me to three-time world champion Ayrton on really? my first race. Like wow. on my first race, uh, someone tried to dive on the inside of me yeah. uh, and almost, almost rolled over Seriously? into uh, Hawthorne's. No, not Hawthorne's. I can't remember. The Brent's hatch is turn, is turn uh -huh. three. Yeah. 
uh, and I almost rolled, so my race was over. And they're like, this guy cannot do anything. He's already, I'm like. It's nothing to do with me, bro. Well, even <laughs> even then, you know, I mean, yeah. what do you even, expect? Even then, wow. Uh, so it was tough in the beginning and I kind of like completely stopped reading news about racing, you know, right. because it was literally just people criticizing me for not being Ayrton. I'm like, oh, this is a bit annoying, right? Yeah, for sure. So after a little while, you know, after I kind of got, got the hang of it and I started to, you know, win races and get close to winning championships and so uh-huh. on, then it was, it was becoming easier to, you know, bring sponsors because I was, they sure. could see potential in both on the uh-huh. uh, marketing side and also on the, you know, pro- progress side. So yeah. from that perspective, it really helped me because I was able to not be able to sell my soul to anybody and yeah. to, to just go to F1. I wanted to do it on a, on a merit basis. Uh-huh. And, um, and it, you know, it helped me to, to go through the, the, the ranks. I got good race teams when I was racing up the, the ladder in F3 and GP2, which was, which was essential, of course. And then when you get to F1, then the pressure and the visibility yeah. kind of just explodes, right? Exploded. Um, at that point, it was one of those things as well. Um, at that point, the people who sort of make decisions, they also kind of compared me to it. And so the way that people in F1 look at drivers is not like, oh, he's, he's beating the other guy. Uh-huh. Like the guy, the other guy is competing with him. Right. They're thinking this guy will be world champion. That's that's how, kind of how they, they think. They don't it's really more lo- longer term thoughts, is it? Or not necessarily long term. It's more like it's a bet, right? Okay. So they will like judge a driver by something special they they've done once. Let's say. So uh, I don't remember who it was, but one of the young guys who had done pretty average on the uh-huh. previous uh, on like the junior junior series. He went and he drove like a really fast lap on like lap three of his Abu Dhabi test. Right. And then this guy got a, an opportunity to drive an F1. Based on that one lap? Based on like that. Wow. So someone with influence sure. believed in him. Wow. Okay, I'm going to take this guy. In the end, he never really sure. went very far. Mm. But that's kind of how F1 goes. It's yeah. a little bit of a, if you have the right person saying this guy's the one, uh-huh. then you get the, the thing. And I had a really, uh, considering how short my career before F1 was, uh-huh. it was pretty good. I mean, yeah. I got to second in GP2 on my fourth year of motor racing. It's awesome, man. And GP2, That's... this was against Grosjean, this was against uh, Degrassi, yeah, Pantano, like very, very good drivers, Maldonado. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, and it was, you know, it was, yeah. it was pretty good. But then I had to really fight to uh-huh. get my test with Honda. Like, it was a massive fight. We had to, like, really, like, sort of make something happen there. And since then, I never really got a proper chance to kind of like be in someone's like, let's help sure. you. Sure, yeah, yeah. So in a certain way, I think it was always like, well, he's not Ayrton who was like dominating everything he's done before. Uh-huh. So Therefore, let's bet, bet on someone else. Right. Uh, and this, this is kind of how it was in the yeah. platform for me. That's interesting, man. Do you know what's, what's funny? I guess you would only see it every now and again. When you put a helmet on, dude, your yeah. eyes are the same. No, like no. it's kind of scary. No, no. <laughs> it's it's no, kind of uh, weird, man. We, we play. Yeah. We, we make a we make a joke that God, when He made our faces, <laughs> yeah. He just made one mold and just put our face, my whole <laughs> family's faces, face, everybody there. Yeah. Wow. So how? I mean, how much overlap did you have with Ayrton when you were growing up? Um, uh, he died when I was ten. So um, between five and ten years old, I was always um, I was always. Um, Playing in go karts. I mean, he's mm. not in Brazil so much. I know exactly how he feels because I'm only in Brazil maybe twice a year. Right. 
but uh, he really uh, came back home for holidays and we were yeah. playing go-karts. It was, it was more of a, a family fun thing than sure. it's Ayrton, the Formula 1 driver. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, at the same time, he was Ayrton, the Formula 1 driver, the, yeah. the, the champion that everybody admires. And I had this whole like awe thing with Ayrton. It was, yeah. it was awesome. Because from, from footage I've seen, he was like a Brazilian national hero, yeah. right? Like yeah. when he came back home, particularly for like a home race, you know, it was it was as much of a concert as as it was yeah. a race. Yeah, I mean, he it was a really good era for Brazil in terms of racing because you had uh, Emerson, yeah. but Nelson Piquet, who had uh, uh, Ayrton, you know, so many yeah. world champions in such a short amount Incredible. of time. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Brazil was all about F one. And uh, Ayrton, of course, with his character, with his charisma uh, and his talent, of course, he created a crazy generation yeah. of, like, fan, uh, of like fans of uh, motor racing. And in Brazil, man, it was crazy. People it was were like, like a, it was like woven into the culture of that yeah. country, you know. It was one of the Incredible. world, the the only countries in the world. I think might be the might have been the only country in the world were single-seater racing, uh -huh. so F3, whatever that single-seaters we had in Brazil racing as a junior series, yeah. were bigger than touring cars. Wow. Anywhere Unheard else in the of. world, it was always touring cars bigger because it's yeah, a cheaper, more popular thing. Whereas single-seaters in Brazil were the thing. And Isn't that everybody, the, the, the strong championships in Brazil were the single-seater championships. Isn't that amazing? Fantastic. It's, uh, that's Brilliant. how much of an influence a person can Yeah, can yeah. I mean, and the way that that has standed the test of time or stood sorry stood the test of time it seems that his legacy and character with every year gets bigger more you know it's just this legend which seems to have exploded you know well when Crazy. you when you think that everybody's exposed to social media mm. all day long every day and he's not been here for 25 years yeah and still you know he's super strong absolutely yeah, yeah. recognized by a lot of people young people even i think yes. the thing that that sort of separates him from other great sportsmen is that parents will talk about Ayrton to their kids who never mm -hmm. even yes. were never even born when he was right. when he was racing and uh, people like people that I never expect come to me oh I'm a massive fan of your uncle I'm like wow. how you're you're yeah. like you're, <laughs> you're 15 <12. laughs> years old how, <laughs> yeah. how's it even possible and Amazing, that's yeah. I'm sure it's the, the parents uh yeah. influence and it's it's incredible for us yeah, I mean we have the foundation in Brazil uh, yeah that's right um does huge huge amount of work for the education that we that yeah. we so much that we lack so much in brazil right uh and it's uh fantastic that this is really the legacy that Ayrton left for brazil yeah. is to you know maybe give some people some opportunity yeah. to change the future hopefully fantastic man that's brilliant so speaking of senna let's talk about this this casual hypercar that you just so happen to have your family name on the side of how did that happen how did it come about well first of all your involvement with McLaren, because I guess, I mean, I would class you as part of their family, really, now. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, how did it come about, your involvement with those guys, and then when they decided to develop this car, call it? Seven. Well, you know, um, I got, uh, I did my first race with McLaren in 2013 with a, mm -hmm. with a, with a uh, 12C GT3 yep. in Spa. And since then, we kind of like got closer and closer. Um, my manager at the time was uh, was part of McLaren's. He was the, the, okay. the chief test driver for McLaren. Right. And he, you know, he kind of like brought me in. I knew yeah. a lot of people from McLaren, of course, because of Ayrton's uh, history, but mm -hmm. I never got to race with them in F1, which was, a, yeah. of course, a shame. Yeah. 
And um, since 2014, I've been doing a few races with them, but also uh, some ambassadorial work with them. Mm. So we do, the, we do events, we do some publicity stuff. And really from 2015 on, we got really kind of like, you know, we got into a thing where yeah. I will do uh, events regularly, we'll do uh, some car development and so on. So yeah. I had my a little bit of my finger, not not I'm uh -huh. not taking any merits from the guys who are doing sure, it sure. on no, a absolutely. daily basis, but yeah. we had a bit of influence on uh, 675LT Spider. Mate, you nailed that. Well, <laughs> it was not. Oh, sorry, it was not me. The team nailed the, that. Sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I say you, I mean McLaren. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely I, I still have mine. I, I know, love right? It. Yeah. It's fantastic. And uh, 720S uh -huh. also uh, played with a little bit. Uh, P1 GTR. That yeah. one I had a bit more time on it yeah. before the car was, was fully finalized. Uh -huh. uh, and then the McLaren Senna. Yeah. So quite a few cool cars, right? <laughs> yeah. As far as CVs go, that's, yeah. that's distinctly above average. So <laughs> I, I was pretty happy. I mean, the first time I drove the McLaren P1 mm -hmm. was at Snetterton okay. in the wet. Oh, just what you need. So that was really terrifying. Yeah, I, I was much happier driving the, the GT3 car that day, I have to say. Yeah. But then, um, in the end of 2016, I went to, to, the, to the factory walking. Uh, yeah. And uh, I went into the design studio to check out what they're doing. And they, I saw the concept of the McLaren Senna. I saw okay. like this car on the clay. Yeah. I'm like, man, that's extreme. Yeah, what is that? Like, what is what is that thing on the back? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see that wing? I want that on my GT3 car. <laughs> what is that thing? Yeah. And then uh, they told me, they, they gave me the brief for the car, what it was supposed to be. It kind of like just clicked in my head. I was like, man, this is, uh, yeah. this should What's be up? like a good opportunity, for right? Sure. Yeah. So I came to uh, Jamie Kostorfin. Uh -huh. uh, he's the, the, the marketing director at McLaren. And he, I said, what do you think about this? And you know, it's a, it's a serious thing. It's not something that you put no, no, lightly on, a, right? That's a serious And he was like, proposition. well, uh, let's, let's think about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go speak to your family, because I yeah. didn't speak to my family. Okay, yeah. We had this idea of making a Senna car, but okay. we never got the right partner, we never got the right timing and yeah. so on. And this felt really natural, like a very, very much track-focused car uh -huh. um, with McLaren. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what more do you need? Obviously. Those two ingredients are enough. Yeah. So that's when it started. So it was the end of 2016, beginning uh -huh. of 17. That's when we kind of like kicked it off. Wow. And um, it was it was very interesting. The process of like making a car with a, manuf with a manufacturer. It must be fascinating. It's fascinating. It's also very tough because, you know, there's so much legality going regulations on. Regulations around it. So we really went through, you know, lots of uh, briefings and meetings and to keep it on the download so people didn't get wind of it before was amazing. I didn't yeah. even believe that this, this like, was going to happen. Yeah. So I think it was maybe a couple of days before the, the, the winter ball, yeah. then people started to get wind of like really, the idea of, because they had to make badges oh, and I had see. to make okay. these things. Yeah, yeah. But really it was a very well kept secret. It really was. It kind of, I felt like that car just came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, that, I, I remember hearing this, rumor that McLaren were making this like super hardcore, like track focused car. And that's all I knew. I didn't know anything about, you know, like, well, certainly not the name of it, you know. And I, I think I remember texting you pretty soon after it was long. I was like, man, you landed that one, bro. You know, I was like, that is awesome. No, so it special. Was, it was amazing you know, to, to make a deal, to do something that was great yeah. for everybody. The foundation benefited massively from it. Yeah. Uh, I think in the end, it's uh, everybody won. And 
the thing that makes me the happiest about it all is that the customers have a real connection with this car. It's not the prettiest car in the world. When you see it in person, it's, it's, it strikes you very, very yeah. much. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, photography doesn't do that car justice. I don't know what it, it is. It's, it's, it's not meant to be a pretty car. It's yeah. meant to be a, a completely a function over form yeah. uh, thing. But there's people who got the car and they sort of like, they, they think, oh, it doesn't look pretty. Uh, I, don't want, I, I don't want to drive it because that's, they're right. not involved in the car. Dude, They're just like with it. the looks of the yeah. car, right? But the vast majority of people who bought it did customization. Yeah. The amount of different Senna's out there. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, if you yeah. if you come here and you look at all the, the Ferraris, the Porsches, they look yeah. kind of the same. Even the, yeah, the, yeah. the hyper cars. Uh-huh. They they have like yeah, black five, one, six, red one. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. And one guy does a really special one. With the Senna, there were maybe 250. Yeah. Cars that were completely MSO'd. MSO'd. Yeah, wow. Which shows the commitment of someone who's buying that car. Very much so. And it's, it was a really, uh, when I speak to the customers, it was a massive emotional connection with the car. Yeah. From a uh, Senna perspective, but also yeah. from the car, the, the, the pleasure it gives you to drive. Sure. So. I mean, that is that car's defining feature. I mean, again, you know, we were both on the launch drive of that at Estoril. Um, man. The brakes again. I mean, not quite F1, but seriously, the brakes, I think the closest I've experienced was like, I went out in an R8 LMS. That's the, that was like that. It was like braking in a, in, in a, almost like a GT3 With car. slick tires. Yeah, with slick tires. Yeah, yeah, exactly, with slick tires. This had road tires on it. <laughs> you know, uh, incredible. A friend of mine, he's a pro driver, uh-huh. and he, he got one. And he yeah. was, he, the last thing he was driving was a LMP3. Okay. And uh, he went to Port Ricard, so he got a Senna. Uh-huh. He went to Port Ricard. And uh, on the same configuration of a track, he went only a couple of seconds lower than an LMP3 car. On road tires. On road tires. It's ridiculous. It, it's really, and he just drove back home. Yeah. <laughs> You're like. <laughs> That's the magic of it, right? Exactly. Yeah, so, it's a special thing. It's never going to be a full on hardcore track car because, yeah. you know, you need to make it safe for people. So, sure. yeah. if I would say, okay, we can make it faster, we can definitely make it a couple of seconds faster yeah. if, we, if you tune the car to the a yeah. more most aggressive balance. But then it might be a bit snappy and but it might be a little bit dangerous for someone who doesn't have yeah. the racing experience. So yeah. you always make the car a road car a road car. Uh-huh. Even if it's ridiculously fast on the track and <laughs> yeah. it gives you an amazing feel. Yeah. But when you get to the very limit to 99 to 100%, then it will give you think oh, I can I can tweak it to to get better. But it needs to be also of course uh, friendly enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is that is the part of the the development stages which might just be taken for granted when clients or whoever get in these cars, they drive them as fast as they're able to. And it's, mm. oh, it's actually quite an approachable, friendly car. With that downforce, it could easily not be. Yeah, It could very yeah. easily be a spiky. This like, was one of the things that we really, really, really worked on to make sure that the car, because when you have a big front splitter, yeah. the car becomes very, very pitch sensitive. Uh-huh. I drove the car once when the suspension tuning was still being done and we had a lot of rake on the car and really the front end was incredible mm. but then when you hit the brakes and you and you like try to carry speed into a corner the rear was really on the limit right. and this is the type of thing that you can't really have with a road car because people come into a spa and they'll try to take blanchiment and it, when yeah. as soon as they lift them and turn the splitter goes down they're gone Swaps ends. so you need to make sure that the car will sort of endure what people will do sure. when they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So there's always a, a sort of like a margin there. That, yeah. uh, 
<laughs> takes a bit of lap time away. That's cool. Uh, and it's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, it's so much fun, that car. It's unbelievable. I mean, uh, you, you guys made my car even prettier. Yeah. Thank you very well, much. Well, I'm glad you like it. We spent some, some time on it. As I mentioned at the beginning, complex does not do it justice, the, the amount of work. And then on top of that, you had some like custom tints that you wanted on the, the windows and you know things like that. So it was a big job. I mean, you know, our, our cars on average will take about five working days. I think yours was two weeks. Oh my you know? God. So, <laughs> <sighs> so it was worth it though. You know? It's totally worth it, honestly. It's absolutely worth it, yeah. It really is worth it because, I mean, first the car, it's all carbon. Mm -hmm. So any stone chips are absolutely... Your car particularly is like exposed carbon. Mm. So, I mean, I know centers are carbon anyway if you have them painted. Yeah. But your car is an exposed carbon weave. So you do not want to be chipping that. No. At all. No, you don't because you don't. there's no fixing that. There's no fixing that. No, no, no. That's expensive. It. Yeah, let's speak back to MSO again. Uh, so uh, we actually mentioned MSO twice there. For anyone watching who, who's unfamiliar about... What's this, what's this word we're saying, MSO? It stands for McLaren Special Operations. And it's, um, what would you say? It's creating options which aren't on the options list. Yeah, McLaren, MSO will um, do whatever you want them to do. I yeah. mean, they've created bespoke cars for people. A entire cars. On, uh, based on mm. a McLaren, of course. They mm. will not make yeah, a new yeah, car. Sure, yeah. But yeah, the, 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 the sky's the limit with them. You can do yeah. pretty much what you want. Um, and it's it's cool because I mean you see Ferraris, Porsches, and everyone has an option to customize their cars. Mm. MSO really does it to a very personal level, and it's awesome. Yeah, and a super high degree as well. I mean, yeah. most people's in their options list, it's you can change the color to any color you want. Mm. Cool. You can create a color. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but McLaren's like build your new car if you want. If you want to, if you want to build it on top of a you know a five seventy tub, mm. then cool you yeah know, which i mean that is it'll take a little level. longer than the take usual. longer than some paint but yeah, yeah you know it's cool <laughs> uh, wait wait, wait, wait a second what, what about you where's your next mclaren then <clears throat> i'm 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 waiting for do you know what? i was really close to a 600 lt and i know we've just been banging on about how great senna is but sadly unfortunately to own one of these things you have to part with money <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i, and, I, I felt this, yeah, yeah that red thing there's mine and That's I was beautiful. buying that at the same time as the Senna came along. So the F12 TDF basically took my money for a Senna, which I'm not sad about. They're in different worlds, of you course. know, and I do road trips in this thing. I've just come off the Targa Florio in Italy, which is amazing. Do you have a boot in that? I got a boot, yeah. It's a big boot. It's great. It's like a proper Grand Tour. There you, you know? go. So it's okay. So I remember on the Senna launch, uh, I drove from Estoril to Portimao and I did the GT4, yeah. uh, which is an amazing car, awesome. so much fun. Um, but before that, I had some time in a 600 and I spent a little bit of time with 600 LT on the road and I did the Spider launch in Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, and that 600 LT and a 675 are the best cars that McLaren have made when it comes to value. The value right. as well, right? Obviously, a center is a completely different world in terms of performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from the value proposition and the emotional engagement that I get back from it, 600 LT Spider roof up, rear window down yeah. is everything. Exhaust in Exhaust your ear. Exhaust into the face. I mean, right? you, can, you can probably just run a pipe into the car. Absolutely, just get loads of flames into the cockpit. Um, it's just so playful, you yeah. know. It's it, it's plenty fast enough. It lets go at very 
predictably. Yeah. I mean, you've got those amazing whip cracks on the up and down shifts. And then at nighttime, your rear view mirror is full of blue flames because yeah. the, the exhaust come out of the engine bay. And as a low mileage pre-owned option, like they've, they've taken a, a fairly big hit. I don't know why, because they're an amazing car. Um, and I just think for, the, for where they are now price-wise, a 600 LT, particularly a Spider, you know, having a carbon tub, there's no compromise in chassis dynamics. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the just is awesome. I was yeah. driving it in uh, Croatia and Montenegro for an epic tour. Yeah. And I loved it. Did. The only reason why I couldn't go the roof up, open the whole time is because I was going to get burned. Yeah, it's too hot. That's it. I would take the Spider just so I could have the, the rear window down. That just transforms the yeah. whole feeling. Yeah, yeah. So I am actually really interested in a 600. Um, if I could get an exceptional deal, I'm, I might do it. I've been spending some time at the Nürburgring recently and so i've got my eye as well on a, a gt3 rs so i'm like should it be a 600 should it be a gt3 rs who knows um and there will be the inevitable 765 lt at some point in time uh we shall nor confirm or deny the existence of that car but i'm just no, looking are, talk, are you talking about yeah, exactly i'm just i'm just uh looking at the history of mclaren and how they're going all in on the lt brand mm. i've just got a funny feeling that that car might exist soon. And one of my all-time favorite cars uh, is the 675 LT, which I sadly sold mine after 10,000 miles. A great car. Um, if, if McLaren managed to sprinkle the same magic dust on the 700 version of that car. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't, <laughs> it shouldn't be really too hard, uh, considering that the base 720 is already a pretty substantial, crazy fast car. It is, yeah. If you, yeah. If you just put uh, Trofeo R tires on the 720. Yeah, and some whip cracks on the exhaust. And you, you make the exhaust Take more aggressive. Take out some aggressive. sound deadening, you so know. we can hear some stones hitting the arches. Well, I don't like that. You like that? The Senna, oh my God. It's so loud. Yeah. Zero sound deadening. With the Senna, you take the, the stones hitting the, the wood arches like... And you know oh. it's carbon. You yeah. see, it's all carbon noises getting hit, hit yeah. by stones. That kind of, that actually drives me nuts a little bit with the Senna. Yeah. When you're driving it, Normally, Normally, on a yeah. road, and you take you, you get the stone, you the stone hitting the thing. Oh, you think, oh my God, what, what is that? What is what is getting damaged now? Yeah, they and the road noise from the tires is because there's no sound deadening. It's like triple what any normal six seven five is loud enough from a like yeah. a road noise. Oh, the point of view. a different level. Man, I tried to do an interview. In fact, my first format of this podcast was I had this genius in inverted commas idea of getting interesting people in interesting cars and driving around and doing the interview, right? And the, the LT's sound is so loud in there yeah. that I pulled the audio and it was just atrocious. So I canned that. And in fact, I was with uh, Frank Stephenson. Right. So we were in the car that he designed, talking about his life and career in this car. And he'd n never been in one. He'd never been in an LT. Oh my God. The guy had penned it for God's sake. Um, yeah, so, and the interview was cool, and it was called Full Chat then as well, but uh, I was just like, this format doesn't work, the audio is terrible. So it took me two and a half years to get back around to doing it again here. Well, this is awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Very it's good cool. fun. Um, so yeah, I will be into a McLaren again at some point. I might just hold off for Geneva next year to see what's, <laughs> <laughs> to see Cheeky. what's happening. No, yeah, I think so. They have some That's cool it. cars coming up. Um, yeah. McLaren always has some really amazing technical yeah. uh, achievements uh, with their cars, and uh, I'm I'm very proud to to be yeah. part of the family there because really, uh, when you think how young the brand is, it's amazing, and uh, yeah. how 
amazing cars they are able to to make. Yeah. It's definitely not a car with a naturally aspirated engine uh -huh. that screams. Sure. You know, I think that's the thing that some people really kind of like miss about mm -hmm. uh, McLaren in terms of being a Lambo has probably mm. a more engaging engine sound. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you drive the cars, they're pretty they special. They drive like nothing else. I think where McLaren gets away with it more than, say, Ferrari or Lambo is that their heritage in terms of road cars, with the exception of the F1, which is such, so long ago and it's such a rare unicorn that mm. I don't think it really counts, is there's no precedent of a naturally aspirated engine mm -hmm. to go, mm -hmm. oh, I missed it when it was. Mm -hmm. Since the 12C, it was always a heavily turbocharged car. Yeah, yeah. So you've got no expectation of going, oh, do you remember when it used to sound like this? And they've always been how they are. Whereas when Ferrari went from Speciali to Pista, that for me, it was like heart destroyingly bad. Because it was just like, oh, all this induction noise is like just completely crushed the sound of it. And, and everyone goes, yeah, but it's so much faster. But I'm like, it's not like the Speciali was slow. You know what I mean? It's, not like, it's yeah. not like it was a slow car. I mean, the problem is that the manufacturers, they have to turbocharge the cars now because you cannot make a natural aspirated car be compatible with a turbocharged car. There's no way around yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you need more power from a smaller, lighter engine. That's the only way to go. And uh, yeah. what, what are you going to do? Yeah. So if you don't, you don't have the performance, you're being beaten by your rivals. Sure. You have to go that way. You have no yeah. way to, to yeah. do it. The one thing that strikes me is that the P1, for yeah. instance, has a crazy engine sound inside. Mega. The turbo is blowing in your ears. Massive like induction it's noise. Yeah, really it's super cool. Awesome noise. Yeah. And I think um, it's not easy to give a turbocharged car a character, uh -huh. like a different character if you have similar engines yeah, on every single hard. car. So I think uh, this is the challenge that uh, everybody else has now uh -huh. to get a, a turbocharged engine in their car and like not make them sound exactly the same. Yeah, McLaren are doing a very good job on the LT car, on the LT range particularly. Mm. Like you know, the whip cracks and the pops and bangs mm. on the downshifts are super cool. But also as well, the way the world's going, you know, meeting the emissions regulations, turbocharged cars help there as well. And you know, no doubt we're going to be going smaller and hybrid and all sorts of jazz. Hey, so. what's going to happen when these super pretty cars are not making any noise? What's going to happen to you, man? Dude, I'm going to go into filming nice houses or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> There's only so passionate I can get about something that doesn't stimulate my soul. You know what I mean? Just back to the F1 chat we had a minute ago. You know, I mean, I was raving on about V8s and you're raving on about V10s and no doubt, you know, our family's raving about V12s, you know? Yeah. So uh, literally, man, I've just spent three days in Sicily in the F12 TDF. You know, it's a, it's, it's a high revving, naturally aspirated V12 and no, it sounds you got the windows down and the, you know, the rocks close proximity to you and it just resonates, it revs to 9,000 in a, you know, a V12, and it just bounces off the rocks back into the cabin. I get goosebumps thinking about it. You know, it's just an amazing thing. And I think we underestimate the importance of sound For when sure. it comes to you know, our appreciation and, and engagement and interaction with these things. For mm -hmm. sure. For so. sure. I think, I think there's, um, from my side, for instance, since I, started, since I started racing, I kind of like fell out of love with road cars. Yeah, because the dynamics are so far away from a race car, right? Yeah, has that affected your appreciation of a road car? Absolutely, because, you so know, I was a crazy Porsche fan when I was younger. Right. You know, yeah. I, was, I drove a Porsche Turbo and I was like, man, this is the best thing in the world. And then yeah. I drove a Porsche Turbo <laughs> after car. driving a Formula 3 car. I was like, oh dear, this is well, a Well, that doesn't corner very well, doesn't stop very well. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of like, you just sure. put everything into perspective, right? Yeah. And now the road cars are becoming 
really good. Really, really good again. Really good. You yeah. know, the first time I drove a road car, I drove all these cars mm. for many years. The first time I drove a road car, I was like, okay, I want one of these, mm -hmm. was the LT. LT. Yeah. I, and this is not nothing to do with McLaren. No, I completely get it. This was just because of the experience. 100%. So for me, personally, the dynamic of the car yeah. actually matters almost more than, more the, than the, the sort of the, the, the drama. Sure. So I would say that if I, would, if I were to get a, to drive a, a, an electric car, full electric car, no engine noise at all, uh -huh. with full torque vectoring yeah. and amazing dynamics, like low center of gravity and everything, you'd be in. I'll probably be in. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably be absolutely in because absolutely. it's like it's the technical thing yeah, yeah. from that kind of like drives me it's a little back bit. Back to the drone nerd. That's what it is. It's <laughs> yeah, back yeah, to the drone yeah, okay, nerd. Okay, man. okay, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> fair point. That's fair cool. Point. So uh, listen, I'm aware you're going to have to go at some point. We had some more questions about speaking of road cars. What's your what's your daily? What's your weekend car? We know you have a Senna that you haven't <laughs> that you haven't driven yet. Well, I have a uh, BMW. Three, Do you still have that? that I still have my series. 340i. Yeah, still yeah. going strong. My my insurance company was a bit annoyed with me that I drove more miles than I had on my uh, my insurance policy. Yeah. Uh, so, are most of your races in Europe? No, I mean it's. No? I, it's I guess it's fifty-fifty. But okay. Sometimes I, you'll drive there. It's sometimes my, you'll fly yeah, there. I, this year particularly, I drove uh, to all the LMS races so far, apart from like two. Right. So, you know, you drive to, that. Yeah. you go to Monza, you go to Port Ricard, you go to Barcelona, you go, and then you, you put thousands, thousands of kilometers of in the car. Up. Yeah. But uh, in general, I don't drive it so much because I'm not home so much. Yeah. And then I have the 675 LT, Spider. Uh -huh. Yeah. I actually, I haven't, I hadn't driven that for a while. So my, I, I got an apartment in Monaco and the garage is on the eighth floor of the, of the parking what, lot. Up or down? Up. Up eight floors. eight floors. I didn't even know there was a there was a parking space in Monaco that went up eight yeah, floors. Yeah, it's, it's normally down eight floors, isn't it? But and the, they're a nightmare. And the, you know the LT has a very slow nose lift, terrible turning, turning circle. circle. <laughs> so it takes about like yeah. five minutes to go up and down the garage. Wow. Um, so that's the, I hadn't driven for a while, and I drove it yesterday for some filming, and I'm like, this I love thing this thing is so mega. Much. Yeah, it's it was, so good. It was a beautiful day, opened the roof, and I'm like, okay, I need to, to get back when driving this car. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the Senna's coming. Yeah. So um, I've been eyeing a Restomod C2 Corvette. No way. Fully, I, I, yeah. I love the looks of uh -huh. old cars. Yeah. I hate maintaining them. For sure. Because they're a pain. Yeah. I'm sorry for yeah. whoever loves old cars. <laughs> they're a pain. Sorry, they yeah. leak oil. They don't they drive well. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but the resto mod has a modern engine, uh -huh. disc brakes, proper suspension, air conditioning. Yeah. Imagine that. You come in, you turn the wheel, the thing works. It comes on. Yeah. And it looks gorgeous. Yeah. So I've been Beautiful. eyeing that and I'm like. That'll be cool. Around town as well. It's a nice car, that. Yeah. If it drives well. If it drives well. I don't I'm really sure care so much about like, you know, you drive and how people look at you. Uh -huh. In fact, that kind of like... You want the opposite? I, I, would, I cannot have a really bright colored car. No. My, both my McLarens are black, pretty effectively. black. Yeah. yeah. Mine is matte black, my LT, and <laughs> yeah. the Senna is carbon. Yeah. The Senna has the huge wing, Massive so there's wing. no That's way you can... attention there, yeah. for sure. Uh, but it really is about like, I love the looks of the Corvette, man. That's stunning, huh? I love it. So... Excited. I'm eyeing that. I think at the moment I have no chance of buying it because my bank account is really, <laughs> really not uh, very full right now. Okay. Is that, is that just from having a life in 
Monaco, or is that from buying too many cars? It's from buying too, too many, many cars. cars. Yeah, okay. definitely. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, for sure, uh, with some time, I'll, I'll go into that. Explain to me a little bit about Monaco. They're expanding it, aren't they? They they're are. Building an, they're, they're going a little bit Dubai on us, and they're like building more of it. Well, there's, they cannot go inland anymore because no. France, France is all around it. <laughs> yeah. um, and they are, yeah, they're expanding the, uh, most of the, actually, people don't realize, but uh. most of Monaco, where like the, 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 the sort of the seaside is already reclaimed land. Is it? Most of it is already reclaimed and there's a limit of how much, how far they can go into the sea. Right, okay. So I think this part is just in front of the tunnel, the F1 uh -huh. tunnel. That's right, yeah. They're building a pretty big thing. So they're building uh, five villas, which are, I cannot even imagine how expensive they'll be. Just, yeah. And two building blocks. Right. And they, the, the smallest apartment there is 400 square meters. I'm not sure what that is in square feet, but it's, it's pretty big, it's actually. Pretty big, yeah. And when Particularly you consider- Particularly for Monaco, that's big. Correct. Yeah. So when you think that uh, the average price per square meter is 50,000 euros per square meter in Monaco, <laughs> When you multiply that by 400, it's for the smallest one, yeah, it's a substantial. It's it gets pretty expensive. Pad. Wow. Four thousand three. Oh, that's quite big, actually. It is pretty big. Four thousand three hundred square feet in Monaco is basically a mansion. Yeah, correct. Wow, and that's for, the smallest one. That's the smallest apartment. Yeah. Apartment. Yeah. Wow. So that's going to be a really, really high-end thing. It's right on the sea. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to see the F1 because obviously the tunnel is covered. You're going to be yeah. like on next to the tunnel. However, uh -huh. there is a plan which I completely oppose to. Okay. To go to make the racetrack, the F1 racetrack, go into this area. Well, extend it extend into this F1. new island. Yeah. Um, no. But I mean, Monaco is the only Monaco's track that Monaco, really right? hasn't changed. Yeah, right? Monaco's Monaco. You can't change it. No, you got to keep it. But there is a, a, a plan or a, an intention to to change the racetrack. Seems and I hope like it's going to be a long time off. I mean, well, this thing only gets ready in 2025, so okay. plenty of time to consider. Just some time. Although, I mean, it, it's probably been about eight months since I, since, I, since I last there and was there about two weeks ago now. They are progressing pretty swiftly. Pretty, uh, like yeah, that yeah. island now has its own inland sea lake yeah, sort, of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, they're throwing all the, the stones and the sand yeah, in there and it's everything. incredible. And the whole thing is already with the concrete structure all around it. It's actually Watching incredible it how fast they go. Yeah, yeah. But that is, you know, that's the base. Then they have to start building up. Yeah, there's uh, plenty of time, isn't there? Yeah. And so I, I heard an amazing stat, and this could be wrong because I heard it a while ago, but it's once the whole project's finished, it's going to add like another third onto the overall size of Monaco. Maybe in terms of... Uh, Nah, it's too much. I would say like it's too much. Of like floor space or something, because I guess they'll be building up, right? Yeah, it's interesting to see because they, yeah. they're building tall buildings tall there. Tall buildings, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people will be really mad because they're behind the tall buildings on the sea. Of course. Because yeah. you lose your view, of course. But they don't care, right? Okay. There's yeah, a bunch exactly. of building going on in Monaco right now. Yeah, Actually, yeah. living in Monaco now is like living in a building renovation. Uh, yeah. It's terrible. The, there's a lot of dust particles in the air. Really? And yeah. it's, uh, I mean, it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> terrible in a first world problem, terrible. It is actually, the, 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 you'd be surprised by how much your, the life quality decreases when you have uh -huh. massive buildings everywhere. There's literally mm -hmm. trains everywhere around Monaco. So the traffic is terrible because mm -hmm. the roads are all blocked. Yeah. And the, uh, the, there's a lot of pollution. Yeah. And you wouldn't expect that, right? You're yeah, on funny. the sea in the middle of yeah, the... Yeah, and it feels like beautiful crisp air. But it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's pretty... Uh, when you think that it's a very expensive place where people pay a lot of Want money the to live there. the best quality of life, yeah. At the moment, it's a little bit of a... 
right. uh, tough time. Yeah, I guess everyone has to hold on for the long term once it's all, once the dust is literally settled. Yeah. So what's the plan with this Senna when it arrives? You're going to take it up to some canyon roads or? Well, I'm definitely driving it a little bit to uh, get it, break, break it break in. Break it in. Right, let's I say. mean, Paul Ricard from you is what, two hours, two and a half hours? Depends on how fast you drive. Yeah, okay. uh, on our 40. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> cool. That's totally what I meant. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, um, okay. I want to drive it on the track for sure, yeah. but I'm going to break it in first. Yeah. But the, the main idea that I have is uh, McLaren is, sorry if I'm saying that I shouldn't be saying, okay. uh, McLaren it, is yeah. definitely doing yeah. uh, an event in Japan, a, uh, okay. like a, an epic drive in Japan. Okay, in, that's at their some like, point. every year they do this big trip thing, Yeah, right? so it's like a eight, nine days. Yeah, I remember they did one in New Zealand. With New Zealand, amazing. they've done it in South yeah. Africa. They do yeah, every year yeah. in a cool Incredible. place. And uh, if this tour goes through Suzuka racetrack, oh, you gotta go. I'm sending my Senna to Japan. That would be amazing. I right? mean, it's you gotta gonna, do it. I'm gotta definitely do it. gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, you know, having the Monaco plates, that would be okay. Yeah, no, fine. no, no, totally uh, no, yeah, no, yeah. no speed camera. I drove through Japan last year. Uh, it was Gumball's 20, 20th anniversary, wow. and it was London to Japan. So I spent a week there driving around. It's an unbelievable place. I go amazing every year to Japan for racing. For racing, of course. And I, yeah. I've been there maybe ten times now. How I, amazing I are the people of love Japan? It. Amazing. Amazing. Like, probably the most polite and welcoming nation I think I've ever yeah. They are come very cordial. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing culture. Like it's not being in the same planet as yeah. everywhere else. Oh no, much. it's a di different world, man. Not very cool. So what's next for Bruno Senna? More racing? More racing. Cars? The yeah. WEC uh, continues until Le Mans next year, so the the season now sort of doesn't of course, go from you have like January a to, season to almost, December. Uh, but now we have like a normal like length of season, okay. but it starts in August and it finishes in June next year. Okay. Um, I'm still doing the LMS. Yeah. And I'm still Very working cool. with McLaren uh, yeah. on some cool projects. Major. So uh, yeah, keeping busy. Very cool. Uh, and uh, we're yeah definitely keeping uh, the the air miles <laughs> on the on <laughs> the, the air miles flowing. Well, yeah. next time you come in, we'll try and fly you into Heathrow instead of Gatwick, because it's a bit of a trek from here. We'll Even it. though it's like, yeah, Gatwick's just down the road from London. It really isn't. No, <laughs> well, it, Particularly uh, this part of London. For sure. I should have probably flew to, flew to Luton or something yeah, like this. Yeah, and I see you've, you've hired yourself a real performance piece of kit to get here. Yeah, I mean, do you like the color? Yeah. Well, it's it's almost like, like a Ferrari, coral right? Coral pink, right? <laughs> Fit 500? Yeah. <laughs> you see, my girlfriend holds one of these things. Yeah. And I, I, I don't fit on the passenger seat. It's too tall. And my head is against the roof. Of this car? Yeah. Right. So I got into this car and I, and I sat down and I was like, ah, oh, I don't fit in this one either. Because yeah. I thought her what car had like a... So I kind of like... The seat has some really weird adjustment that the back of like this, the, the, the bottom of the seat just ah. kind of tilts down. Right. The, the, the front stays where it is. Yeah, the, the back stays <laughs> the same, but the, 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 the seat just goes like this. Yeah. And now I have like a, maybe a centimeter on top of my head. Perfect. So, uh, yeah. very proud of. Uh, I mean, I, I went from. I came from Gatwick all the way here. Yeah. And the fuel tank yeah. is still full. So. Is it one of those twin air ones? I think they literally made it. I think it was like a two-cylinder one or something. I don't know. You don't know? They yeah, not what what you want really. I mean, you get back into your LT I, and feel I was like able to do seventy on the rocket. on the on the motorway. Plenty. It's yeah. okay. Seventy's plenty, man. <laughs> <laughs> Feels. You know, felt the thrill. <laughs> yeah, mega. Well, look, we're going to have to come and, and, and do some more driving around around Monaco. We've got to go back to Red Rock Road. For sure. Again, for, for sure. sure. We'll stretch the legs on the center, A couple maybe. of new roads that I want to show you around. Okay. 
Cool. Let's do it. I'm always open for new roads. This is That'd a be amazing, amazing place. Really? Yeah. That I haven't found yet. Yeah. We have to go here. It's near Gorge du Verdon. Yes. Uh, just go up a little bit. There's a few uh, dams uh -huh. there, and you—it's it, it's just amazing. Cool roads. Okay. Well, let's try and find some time. Are you going back to Brazil for Christmas? I'm going to Brazil for the Brazilian Grand Prix. We have a tribute uh, oh, happening cool. for to Ayrton. Yeah, I, I heard so, about this. Uh, that's, that's pretty special. Super cool. Amazing. And uh, then Brazil for for holidays, but yeah, we holiday. still have a Shanghai, Bahrain. Uh, races this year wow. uh, in the WEC, okay. plus yeah. uh, LMS next week. Are you uh, racing a lot then? Yeah, wow. There's a bunch of races going on still. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, we're racing Brazil in the beginning of next year, in February next year. Hey, that's cool. Can't wait to go yeah, back yeah. to racing at home. Fabulous. Fantastic. Very cool. Well, look, dude, thank you so much for coming. I really, really appreciate no, it. Thank I'm not you joking when I've said he's flown in literally for this. Yeah, so, no, it's, uh, uh, it's a pleasure to, really, to really hang cool. out and... Uh, yeah. Thank you yeah, for uh, yeah. for bringing me, and thank you for making my car look even better. No pleasure, man. Let's, let's go drive it. Take care, dude. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Thank you.